A poem is a small machine made of words. William Carlos Williams. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, exploring the poetry scene of Central Canada and beyond with Amanda Earle and A.M. Kozak. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. This is episode 48, and I'm Amanda Earle. A.M. Kozak is not with us today, but will join us in a later episode. This episode is an interview with Nina Jane Dristic, local poet and sound poet, and it was recorded on August 15, 2019 at a local pub, Ward 14. Nina Jane Dristic is a poet, writer, and performer based in Ottawa. Her poetry has appeared in Cantheus, Talking About Strawberries, The Ducey Tuesday Poem, Bywords.ca, Inwards, Ottawater, Small Talk, and Windowcat Press, as well as in self-published chapbooks and chapbooks and broadsides by Anne Co. Collective, of which she is a member. Number 26, Neuro Suite from Simulacum Press, came out this year. She's a member of the Sound Poetry Ensemble Quator Gualor and creates performances of her own. If you ever ever lived in the same city as her, you have likely seen her riding a red bicycle around town. You can find her at Text Curious. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Nina Jane. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. Hey, Amanda. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. We're sitting in Ward 14 on Preston having these delicious cocktails. And, uh, and uh, that's it. This is, uh, I think it's episode 48 of the Small Machine Talks, but I'll have to... Oh my gosh, so close to 50. I know. Wait till we get to 50. Woo! We have a, a party. I will see. Oh, I hope so. To ask Aaron. I come. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here... Um, I'm here uh, with Nina Jane. Am Kozak is not with us today, as I opted to do this set uh, here at this time. So uh, that's, uh, but we miss him, and we'll see him another time. <laughs> yeah. Or we'll hear him another time. Yeah. So uh, my, I have a bunch of questions for Nina Jane, and we'll start with: When did you start writing? We'll start at the beginning. When did I start writing? Um, I guess. I mean, you start writing in school. You get assignments. I think the first thing I wrote when I was like, oh, I actually like doing this was when I read a ghost story when I was like in grade one or two. Um, but I really started writing poetry apart from like poems for class when I was like in grade seven. You know that time when you start thinking about, I don't know, trying to communicate how you feel about things? I think it's pretty typical yeah. age for some people to start writing. Are we good? We're good. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. Poems when I was in grade seven, I guess. And so you started writing just to communicate sort of what you were thinking about the world? Yeah, I was like a pretty angsty grade seven year, yeah, yeah. grade sevener. And uh, yeah, it felt like a way that I could have sort of my own space because I didn't really feel like I had it um, in other parts of my life. Uh, and some of my friends were also into writing. So I already had some like friends who were engaged in that sort of thing. So we would sit and write together, which was also super useful. Um, yeah, and then that... Really? Pushed, so you collaborated from a really early age? Then. Uh, I think we were probably more just, like, reading each other's stuff and giving each other feet. More like workshopping. That's pretty neat, though. Yeah. So that's a, that's a new thing to be doing at that age, I think. Yeah. And then, yeah, so that encouraged me. I ended up going to Canterbury, and that was part of the reason. So I started oh, okay. writing with this, like... Um, another woman who also went to, we both ended up going to school together um, there. And that's when I started like performing 
poetry, I guess, because we're really encouraged. So reading poetry is like for some people, I know it makes a lot of poets nervous or yeah. some, but I've been yeah. doing it since I was like 14 yeah. because they made us like start reading things yeah. in front of hundreds or well, not hundreds, but like 50 or 60 people at the, like in grade nine. So something I became very comfortable with early on. I always read it out loud and, and I always, my father recited poetry to me when I was a kid. So I never saw it as, um, and I, what I used to do is I used to take the child's garden of verses and sing it. Oh, I made up little tunes little for days. it. So yeah. I mean, that's always fun. Yeah. I always, I used to sing to myself a lot. Oh, you did that <laughs> I still too. sometimes do. <laughs> I still do it in the elevator when I'm worried about whether or not I'm going to get trapped. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm alone, I'll, I'll, I'll just say, you'll be okay. I'll start singing a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's always been something that I enjoy doing. It's just a little weird, but. Is it? I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe it's not. <laughs> In this room right now, it's just very the normal. The server just brought over an old-fashioned dial phone. I suppose we're supposed to use that. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, they, <laughs> they they sell and like antique items. Everything here is actually for sale. So if you want to buy that antelope head. You want to buy the antelope head and that bald eagle with a red vest. Some kind of red velvet team maybe vest. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well I'll put the link up and you can uh, we're having I'm having a what is called a uh, high cake mind trick. Yeah, and, and I am having, having the Exqueeze Me. Exqueeze Me, there you go. So They're uh, both delicious. Let's hope that <laughs> as the as the uh, liquid goes down a little lower, we'll, we'll have uh, more, you know, liquid conversation. There you go. <laughs> but I guess, so I guess you, you, were, you were inspired to take workshop. You were actually taking Canterbury courses already. So yeah, like, so those would be like the first yeah. workshops I took. So you were already sharing your writing at mm -hmm. that point. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, it was great. It was like a really, and again, it, I don't know, writing has always sort of provided that space for me to have my, to not only like, like a space for me where I feel like I have, I can express myself or explore different things, but like physically as well. So um, yeah, Canterbury, I used to like leave home really early because I didn't want to be home and I would just go to school. I go to school like at 8 a.m. And like sit in like a classroom because we sort of had access to the rooms to write whenever we wanted. Oh, great. And I could like be there alone for an hour, an hour and a half. Um, and yeah, spend some time on my writing and just like not be at home or around people. <laughs> That's perfect. That's exactly what you what you need. Did you um what about when you started when did you first start to submit uh, poetry or any kind of writing actually oh, to like a magazine or publication? Well, I am notably really bad at submitting stuff to publications. <laughs> I, Isn't yeah. it funny that judgment we have here? Because I know what you mean. You mean like you don't submit a lot of, like you're not yeah. known for submitting a lot of work. Yeah. But is that bad? I don't know. I This is a question I've been asking myself a lot yeah, yeah. lately, and I don't think it's necessarily bad. I started like self-publishing my work is yeah. what I started doing before I ever submitted to anything. Yeah. So I, yeah, like... Again, we were encouraged to like make chapbooks when we were in high school and we would have little chapbook sales. Wow. So I started making chapbooks like in grade nine or 10 and fantastic. putting poems together in that way and like selling them for like a dollar, two dollars. I remember I got my cousin to help me do some like cover art because she was really wow. into visual arts at the time. Um, and sort of getting my work out that way. And that's something that I still continue to do and like has sort of been like my main way yeah. stuff out. So as yeah. opposed to um journals and yeah yeah it was like it's interesting because your yeah <laughs> I, I read your facebook post the other oh, yeah. day or this morning i, I guess yeah, the, I, it was the bywords editor notes yeah, yeah. I always, what i do for those is bywords.ca i put them 
I make them for the issue and I also post them on Facebook. I don't post them on Twitter because then I have to do a thread so long. Yeah. Too long. And sometimes the reactions on Twitter are more visceral. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, anyway, I, yeah. So I posted about, yeah, I, I wrote my usual editor's notes about the poems and the issue and the review, which we publish, we publishing every month. And then I, I talked about um, responses from people to receiving rejections from bywords and as I said, I've been called names. I've been threatened with lawsuits. But I mean, we've been doing this for yeah. 16 years, so you know. Still, that's I like a know. very intense reaction to a rejection. Seems, seems intense to me. Yeah, but you also mentioned that if it's if that's not your best avenue, there's always options yeah, to self-publish. Self um, and for me, I guess I kind of like to make things that are like a cohesive unit. Mm. Um, that's sort of been more my approach, but yeah. I really didn't start submitting until my late like stuff to be published until my later 20s yeah i like submitted to one contest in high school that i won Ooh. at carlton for like high school writers oh yeah which that's was great. which was awesome so i was like the first member paid for like well paid real money for my work um so real embarrassing because i had to read the poem at the event and it was like i don't want to read this in front of my dad <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> obviously came it starts it starts doesn't it and we have to figure out yeah what uh, whether or not we want to share what we've written with uh, our families or friends, and yeah, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. But you didn't think it. Oh, I should have a pseudonym or anything like that. No, no. Why? Well, I, I don't know. I've always published. I used to like only do my chapbooks under Nina James, but mm -hmm. I even use my last name used to be more pseudonymic. Not is. really a pseudonym, but like not yeah. my full name. But I like the word pseudonymic. If it's not a word, it should be. Yeah. It's a word. It's a word now. I said it. it. We always, well, we coin words here on the okay. podcast. Like, there we go. Remember Aaron, Aaron, Aaron had a good one. I can't remember what it was, but it was, he verbed something in a beautiful way. <laughs> happens. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, yeah, so you're, you, uh, chapbooks and things like that. Uh, well, I'll, if I should then ask about, I'm going to, I'm going to switch the order here if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. We so can, can you talk about Anco Collective? Sure. Is that the name, right name? Yep. Okay. Yep, that's it. Is it Amper it's not ampersand. It's Anco. Like it's Anco. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Anco Collective is a group of writers, a very loose group of writers that I'm part of. Um, we sort of got together in the last three um, and started, we were already workshopping together, but we wanted to do some publishing together. So we worked on chapbook and um, I suggested the name Anco Collective, which is actually like a name I came up with like yeah. six years ago, five or six <laughs> years ago. Um, Avonlea Fotheringham and I got a, ta a chapbook table at a small press right. fair. It was like the one of the, in the first year I moved back to Ottawa. And like she had a chapbook she'd done at Carleton and I had some old work from my undergraduate days that I was like wanted to try and sell and stuff. So I don't know. I was like, this name will work for anybody, and I could use it now, or I could use it later. And I sort of always created it as this idea of like anyone could be a part of it yeah. if they wanted. It's I like could et use cetera. it, etc. Yeah. yeah. And it's like and and co, like anybody. Yeah. And you so you could put your name, so it could be like Anina Jane and Co Collective Production. Um, and then kind of went dormant for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just writing for myself, and then when the group came about and we wanted to do some publishing I was like well here's a name like I created it like right. or like well, I created I came I came up with a few years ago I haven't really used it since um here's a brand no sorry I know it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah I mean what's funny is I realized after we started using it there's a 
group out of, and I'm going to screw this up right now, but there was a collective out of Guelph that has a very similar, right. it's like, and it's, I think it's called like Ampersand Collective. Right, like, right. And we, so, a, a bunch of, maybe uh, not super regional. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't know. <laughs> and now we have a, a siren. Yeah, we're right next door to a fire station. I probably should have taken that into consideration we're, when we're, choosing a bar. <laughs> we're, we're at Impressive Street and the door is open, but that's fine. I mean, I, I was in a group called Ampersand. It was we never the official title. We never quite agreed on calling it that, but that was what some mm. of us thought it was. Yeah, with... Uh, was that with Sandra? Sandra Ridley, Roland Prevo, Nicholas Lee, Pearl yeah. Peary, um, and me. I guess I... I and Marcus McCann. Yeah, so that was that was the, for maybe a year and a half. Or two oh, yeah. Years. Yeah, we did that. And then I think Marcus left, and uh, I had my health crisis, and different things happened. So. Yeah, it's funny. Like, groups, writing groups are interesting like that. They yeah. come together, and they fall out. Like, I know when I moved here, I was going to Inwards all the time. Yeah. And that's, like, how I met a lot of people that I know today. Like, not some of them are not still here, but it was like, I came to Ottawa, and I think I've told you this before, but I was looking for writing and poetry things. I found five words. Yay. Then I found, yeah, exactly. Oh, happy when someone says that. <laughs> found five words, found the calendar, found yeah. inwards, found oh, a bunch of great writers and writing workshops. Um, Matt was running it then. Matt Jones was running it then. So there were very, and Chris, and there were regular workshops, Chris Johnson, and there were regular workshops like every week. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really great because it was a, it got me back into writing and it got me sort of connected to the writing community. That's how I met Marilyn Irwin and Jenna Jarvis and Jeff Bates. Um, lots of people that still know today. Yeah, actually. I remember I used to, I used to go to those readings pretty regularly, and I'm mm -hmm. not a late night person. And they would start at like nine, and I would be <laughs> I would be still I would be coming walking home and it would be winter and it'd be like midnight. Like, I mean, yeah, and there were no buses on Bay Street, so I just walked back to my apartment. <laughs> it's quite yeah. nice. It is, it is nice. It, it was, was a nice. good. It was a good. But I won at least one of the maybe two of the little open mic. little open mic prizes. Yeah, that was yeah. sweet. Yeah. So yeah, there was that group, and then that sort of like changed over time, and then this group has been like it started as another group of us, and then evolved, changed a bit. Some people have left and gone, and now I'm not even actually sure if it was in no totally in the group. Like a few of us, it's like whoever is able to get together every now and then. We have like a little chat going, but. We haven't met regularly for quite some time. Well, it's just part of that's the nice thing about a group. You can just, you can kind of just, it doesn't have to be too formal. And then, yeah, know. right now it's like definitely less formal, which is, but it's also really fun. I mean, I know you have this question coming up later, but like me and Kanye and Manaha, who are also, who are yeah. also part of the group with me, that's are right. going, uh, we're going to Montreal in September, which is something probably we wouldn't have done if it wasn't for us being a part of this group and like having some interests and stuff like that. So that's really that's great. It's really cool because it's brought us together. And I love editing. Like, poems. It's like one of my favorite things. It's like, really? Yeah, providing feedback on other people's poetry. Oh, that's poetry. good. That's yeah. Good. Well, I remember when we we, uh, we were in um, one of Rob McClendon's workshops together. Mm -hmm. One or two. I can't remember. Possibly. Just one. I wanted Just one. Okay, yeah. yeah. At his place. And that was, that was quite, and you, you offered great feedback. So I remember it was good. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that it resonates. You know, precise and catching the little things I remember because I'm not, I care little about that stuff. You know, I, I, mm -hmm. I mean, I can catch them, but I, I'm, you know, myself, I, I get bogged down in other things. So it's good to have someone with that kind of an eye. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's good. the going to all these writing classes. Yeah. <laughs> who, who's uh, so? Who who is? How did the group? So the group kind of started a little bit out of inwards, and then 
Yeah. In words, people that you were. In words, people that you were. I mean, I mean, the sense that people that you saw at the writers' circles. Yeah, yeah. Well, you were workshopping. Began. Um, well, I began. Was working shopping before it was in Co. I was bird shopping with like Chris Johnson and Am Kozak and um, Sarah and some other people. Sarah McDonald. Sarah McDonald. Right. Other people, and that sort of just that also that fizzled out and like then transformed, and then we met Dorian and we met Dorian Bell. Bell. I always want to say and, Dorian. Gray. I'm sorry, Dorian. Who else was in that group? I don't know. It just sort of morphed into what another. What about Ian? Was he Ian? Yeah, Ian came in later. Ian Martin. Ian Martin. Um, then we invited Manahil to join. So I think there was just there were a bunch of us looking. Like I know, yeah, Chris Johnson had been at the Inward workshops obviously before, mm. um, but I've been working with him as well. Claire Farley is also oh, sort yeah. of a part okay. of it. There's a lot of people who come in and out. We we're working with. Um, Oh my gosh, I'm gonna forget everyone's name. Oh, well, that's okay. We, we, the disclosure is we always forget the third. So we can remember two, but we can't remember the third. third. So. <laughs> yeah, so I think there was just an interest. Like me and Morgan workshops with us sometimes, Liam Burke workshops with us sometimes. So I think there was like a, just several people who'd been part of, yeah, Inwards. There's a lot yeah. of people from Inwards that I just listed there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, like uh, or like Blue Mondays or from around. Yeah, yeah. And we were all interested. At one point or another in workshopping. Um, and so uh, I think there was once an effort to make things really structured, but a lot of us, others, didn't really want to do something so structured. And so it's very loose format. I think right. just, and it still is. But that's kind of what I like about it. Yeah. Do you do you basically uh, do you have to like read the poems ahead of time, or you just just uh, bring stuff ahead of time? Or um, we mostly bring stuff on the spot. Sometimes sometimes we are coordinated enough to bring things ahead of time, but when we meet, we also just sort of evolve now to like sending each other poems for yeah, feedback, which yeah has its pluses pluses and minuses as well. I like, um, well, I like being in the moment or like being in person talking to someone about a poem. It's right. really hard to create, uh, to communicate like the nuances yeah, of your thoughts. It is. Yeah. And also like when you're workshopping a poem, it's really, if you are workshopping with a group or even with a one-on-one -on -one person, it's nice to talk something through. Yeah. Right. It's like brainstorming. Exactly. Just, this so, is the way it is. And then, yeah. yeah. So it's like, if we were workshopping, you know, the third who isn't here, <laughs> their poem, like I might see something in it that you don't see in it, or I read yeah. something and then you're we like, bounce off each other's ideas yeah. too. And I'm like, I see, you know, yeah. concrete highways that are falling into the ocean. And you're like, oh, I thought it was like, um, like an ellipsis trailing off into the difference. I don't know. <laughs> I try to think of things that are really abstract, but, uh, well, sort of abstract, but, um, yeah, there's something about workshopping in the moment and hearing what other people think. So, because I, I have attended, like, I went to high school for creative writing and then I went to university for creative writing. Um, I have always sort of been in conversation with people about writing. And that's yeah. always informed my writing. Yeah, and I was always told to, like, listen, like, the work and what I believe sort of through that training is, like, to the work should stand as other people read it and you want to like the other people aren't necessarily going to have the same reading you have because it's right. coming from you and that's like how you read it but it's really important to hear how other people read your piece um 
And so I'm a big fan of like in workshops, like the writer's safe method, which well, that's not everybody like, likes that's that. That's actually like, like a, a kind 50. of a, a theater thing, right? Mm. Like if you do read-throughs in theater, yeah. that's sort of where you... Yeah, you want to listen. Listen to what people are hearing or how it sounds when somebody else reads it. Also a red Corvette, just oh, in case cool. you were wondering, <laughs> and a bus. Nice. Okay, all the noises. All the noises. Yeah, so, so I'm a really big fan of like in-person workshops, which... With a looser group of people, it's harder to, like, have that structured workshop thing all the time. Um, That's my preferred way to get feedback from people um, and to give my feedback as well. Because there's so much you get from talking about a piece of work, which is also, like, why I like attending readings. It's like to hear a poem, to hear a poem is something different than to read a poem. Yeah, that's it. It's, it really, and especially to hear the poet themselves read from their own work because they pause not necessarily in the same places as the pauses on the page, or they sometimes they use a different word, maybe, or just yeah. to have, you can sort of get more tone from their mm-hmm. voice. And, and I mean, sometimes it's 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 funny because you imagine if you've never met the poet and then you 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 have a, your own idea of what they are, maybe when you're reading this stuff and then you meet them. I had that experience with Maggie Helwig. I I love her writing, and I was quite excited years ago, and uh, she just wasn't, I was just totally great. I just, she didn't look how I imagined her, because I read her <laughs> fiction and her, right. and her, her poetry, and it was just a different person I had. Not that I, I could have looked at, like, Googled what she looked like, I suppose, I just didn't occur to me to bother doing that, right? Yeah, so, no, I, that doesn't occur yeah, yeah, to like, me either. Why do you need to do that? <laughs> it seems very like, obvious. Right? <laughs> like, mostly, yeah, when I read poets, I'm thinking, poets I've never met, it's yeah. like, I don't really think about Sometimes I'll flip to the back and check out their author yeah, photo, yeah. but not. Uh, it's just sometimes I have an idea about the way the person's manner is, and I'm, I, mm-hmm. you can't you can't always tell that from. I mean, you can't tell that from writing. Just, <laughs> but when they read out loud, and then you get it, you get a kind of a more of an idea of the poem at least. Yeah, yeah. So since we were talking about, well, first we had two uh, interesting leaps there. You talked about your um, your upcoming reading at the Reson- Resonance Cafe in Montreal as part of what's called MCND, a Night of Performance and Poetry. And you're reading with fellow Ottawa poets. So, uh, what's this MCND? Does it stand for anything? Your I mean, those are our initials. Yeah, yeah I, figured, <laughs> I figured it was. So it's it's. Uh, okay, tell me the names of everyone there. Uh, so Manahil, Conyer, Mina, Jane, and Deanna. Deanna, who is from Mon- okay. uh, well, she's based in Montreal. I don't. I think she's not from Montreal. But what's her last name? Radford. Radford. Deanna Radford. I thought that's who it was, but for some reason, I wanted to be careful because I know. There are other Deanna's. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's actually yeah. I was try I was I was put in charge of coming up with a name and I was like, this is what you it's like our last names alphabetically, but the letters from our first names. So anything works, anything works. And you'll have to you could come up with um acrostic poems if you want. Yeah. <laughs> so so what, what made you decide how did this come about? This uh um yeah, so Conyer and Manahil released chapbooks within the last year. So Conyer just had one out with um with Rob's Press, yeah, book from Press Above Ground. Yeah. She's had a, a which, few out too. Yeah, which launched or this weekend. That's right. Weekend. I, I wasn't there, I admit. And then, I apologize to all all concerned. <laughs> I wasn't there either. Oh, okay, we were <laughs> okay. That's why we're we doing the podcast it. now. You <laughs> yeah. have to hear us now. Well, yeah. We so and Manahil had her trust out her book out from Anne Strother, right? Um, well, yes. she launched in Toronto, um, and while well, she wanted to take it to Montreal, um, they both had some connections there. I I attended school in Montreal and I go back regularly, right. um, 
to visit friends, but I don't uh, often read or perform there. But it's like a city I love, and I haven't oh, yeah. performed, yeah, poetry there since I was in university. So I always oh, wanted okay. to go back. Oh. So they, well, I mean, they actually asked our whole uh, group, like if anyone was interested, and um, yeah, it was from the person who expects the most interest. So we just sort of we we're gonna do it in June, and we couldn't get in June, and then we were trying to figure out where to do it because we had some. We had one venue who was like, well, will you really bring a crowd? And I was like, okay, oh, let's no. not do that venue. <laughs> um, crowd, scary word. I mean, sometimes it happens if you're lucky, but I mean, yeah. if you're not, I don't know. It depends on whether you want a big crowd or not. I don't yeah. Know. Oh. But I, we know, like, Manahil's read at Resonance. Yeah. Uh, the reading series. When we're, not, we're doing it separate from the reading well, series. Well, the reading series stopped. It's, uh, oh, it stopped now. There yeah. is another series now in Montreal oh, called yeah. Breathing Space. Okay. Aaron Boothby and Rachel McCrum oh, yeah. started up, and it was supposed oh, to so. slow to the summer, but I understand they're going to go to the Yeah, river, there is so. a Cafe de Fener, I believe, for that one. Yeah. Yeah, so it's probably... I, I've read in Montreal twice. Both of the readings were at the Avenue du Pas, like both in the same... Mm. Yeah, just one down the street from each other. So I've only read in Montreal at two, re- well, at two readings, and they both were on the same street. So well, we are also reading yeah. on. Oh, Avenue that's where I was. Oh, you were at Resonance. Yeah. I was at the Resonance reading series uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was there. I went. I was in Montreal in June, and I was like meeting a friend for coffee who just moved there and picked this cafe. You know where we went? Because so I was like, well, I can also check out the venue. It was like my secret yeah. alternative motto, and I was like, you know, it's. Super nice. The coffee was good. I'm looking forward to trying the food. Yep. Um, food's good. I and yeah, it should be fun uh, to read for some yeah. of my friends and maybe some other people who come out to so Montreal. September eighth. We'll put the link up on on the on this on the episode site on the smallmachinetalks.com and we'll uh, we'll uh, you know mention it maybe on Twitter or something. If I remember. Mm-hmm. Now we also the other thing we also um, split off into we were talking about um, read throughs for theater. So hmm. you do have somewhat, you do have a background in theater. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, a bit of a background in theater. Yeah. So I, yeah, well, so I was pursuing my degree in English literature and creative writing. And while I was doing that, um, I began working with one of my TAs on a project, like a, a graduate project doing dramaturgy. So dramaturgy is sort of like this contextual research that goes on behind oh, okay. theater. Um, and there's there's different kinds of dramaturgy. Some of it is doing historical research. Some of it is doing like script editing and revising. I'd been taking several courses in script writing um, yeah. at Concordia and um, really was interested in like learning more about it. So I started on this, what I thought was going to be like the grand path of dramaturgy from my career. I like but- <laughs> the title, the grand path of dramaturgy. It sounds very dramatic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then. Because I've been doing that, I applied uh, to theater studies for grad school and um, went off to the University of Guelph to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was a, it was in a performance program, really. It was more like the theory behind theater and, so, again, the theory and the context. Um, there was a really prominent dramaturg. I think he's still there. Um, Rick Knowles was working there that I wanted to... Um, meet and there were different playwrights. Sky Gilbert was working there. Um, so I get really yeah, it, I think he's still there. And um, again, gonna forget the third. Uh, there you go. This is this is the theme of the show. We should call it <laughs> two things and a third because you know, <laughs> two things and a third. No one ever yeah, she was uh, Judith Thompson. That's okay, well, that's good. Judith okay, Thompson. Yeah. Um, so I was interested in in meeting those people and working there, working with some of them at that school. Um, so I went, yeah, so I went there to study theater and 
It was an interesting experience as grad school. I think grad school is like, for some people, it's like an amazing thing and it's not for what's coming next. Or? I love, I love grad school, but I, I only, I did it in, I did it in a year. Like I did it very quickly in a year. Yeah, I did it also if very I, quickly. If I had, if my advice to anyone who can't afford it, if they can, take longer because it's, 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 there's a lot of good socials, at least for me, I was at the University of Waterloo in French oh, yeah. uh, uh, studies and um, there was a lot of good stuff going on and I had to go fast. Mm. I, and then I had to work. I, I didn't do a thesis. I did a, like an essay. Yeah. Major research paper. Yeah. Major research paper. That's what we called it. Yeah. We called it too, but it was so long ago. I've forgotten what. <laughs> no words. There are cobwebs on my diplomas now. Yeah. That's yeah, fair. I, mean, yeah. I wish I'd taken longer. Um, the grad, um, um, the grad house at Waterloo was a great place. That's why I just wished I spent more. And beer at the time, this is how old I am, was $5 a pitcher. Oh. So, you know, I mean. A pitcher. Holy. A pitcher. Oh, wow. I mean, even when I lived in Montreal, the prices weren't that good and it was cheap. You know, chocolate bars. No, never mind. No, never mind. <laughs> yeah. So, do you think that theater has influenced your poetry, either on the page or on the stage? I think so. We've already talked a little bit about that. Yeah. No, I definitely think... I have always been interested in performance. Yeah. In one way or another. Um, I'm not great at acting because I'm not good at putting on a persona. But like at the same time I started writing poetry in grade seven, I also wrote my first one woman show, Ooh. which I performed in front of my middle school, uh, which I don't really know why they let me do that because it was a rather <laughs> traumatic play about a student who took her life. So yeah, that was, um, that was my first performance. Well, maybe that's good. Maybe that's the sort of thing that you need to talk to. I mean, I can imagine. I mean, yeah. it's hard. It's a hard subject, but, you know, it's what's... Yeah. It happens, so... Yeah, yeah. So, I, it was, like, a small performance, but I was... Okay, so okay. We are. Thank you. Oh. No, it's fine. Right. We'll put you, you're, on the, you're on the... You're in the podcast now. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, so I started performing then, um, and like I said, I've always read poetry. I think, and I, the funny thing is, I think when I went to grad school, what I was actually looking for is more what I'm doing now, which is like experimental yeah. poetry performance. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that too. Yeah, it's good because all the all the we we lead into other the other, some of the other questions on here. I guess. The so flow is great. Yeah, we've got a good flow going on. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When I went to, I mean, when I started grad school, what I actually started researching for my major research paper before I. Uh, changed subjects was I was really interested in looking in the performance of the scream or screaming. Oh, okay. So I was looking into sort of theatrical sound therapies, which also there are a bunch of like working with John W. Curry. I have like found some of these people who did these experimental sound like theories where I like had begun to discover in my research like scream therapy and like. Um, Oh, God, I'm going to lose all the words. But sort of like this sort of... Another title for the podcast. Yeah, losing all the losing words. All the words. Yeah. Um, so I was doing a lot of research into that, but I didn't really know where to go with it. And there wasn't really... There wasn't really to direct me in the direction that I wanted to go. What, what made... Was there a reason that you were interested in the screen per se? Um, I was interested in like not... Non-verbal vocalization? I was interested in like ver like vocal performance... That wasn't necessarily words based, and so what I ended yeah. up going on to do, and also, I sound. We're going to talk more about sound poetry, but mm. my interest in that is there are some me. things that are very beautiful, but there's also things that are abrasive, yeah. and I really like that's interesting that stuff yeah. that sort of puts you on edge. And I think like I also like 
poetry and stories and novels that sort of put you on discomfort a little bit makes you think yeah yeah. exactly so I think I was trying to find that kind of performance that put you on edge and so i I didn't really know where to go with this scream approach. <laughs> scream approach. <laughs> the scream approach. So I ended up working. Um, I had been to San Francisco a few years earlier and picked up this collection of plays by this American playwright called Sheila Callahan, Ooh, okay. who is not super well known outside the U.S. Um, but um, she had a bunch. She has a series of plays, and a lot of them have um, women behaving badly Ooh, and like lovely. Yeah. <laughs> So, and uh, very rooted in sort of like American politics um, with a lot of like violence um, and uncharacteristic behaviors and sort of, I was, so and I ended up researching that as like a a reaction to sort of like the feminine appearance of women and what did that mean? Um, Anyways, it's more complex than that. Sounds um, intriguing though, it does. It sounds really interesting. You probably actually like these plays if you ever read plays. I'm not sure. I've certainly, you know, what I was in um, when I when my undergraduate degree, I studied um, French literature, so I got the opportunity to do mm. a lot of UNESCO and yeah, uh, oh yeah, um, uh, theater of oh, the yeah. absurd and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and yes. I like Cocteau and mm-hmm. so and, and also, um, well, um, also I'm a big fan of Tom Wamsley, and I've read all of his right. plays. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, actually, I have not read any of Tom's plays. You're great. Put them on my list. Mm-hmm. Great. I'll, I'll put, maybe I should put up some links. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we tr- I tried to write a play, and you were part of the uh, read through of the first oh uh, gosh, draft. I forgot about that. Called Heaven, and Tom was very supportive of that. So uh, I was I was working on that. I, I haven't gone back to it, and I realized that I was really writing a poem, mm. but with sort of theatrical. Uh, so yeah, it's a project that's yeah. still. I write a lot about heaven and hell, especially heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, heaven is not the idyllic place that you imagine. So that was what kind of what that was. Yeah, but it was it was an interesting experience. So the idea of doing a read through is really a great idea. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was fun. I forgot. Wow, things you forget you do. Oh, it was a few years ago <laughs> now. A few years, yeah. I don't even know how long you and I have known each other now. Actually, well, I've been in Ottawa for about six and a half years. Maybe so it's been a little bit less than that. Yeah. Whenever you, when it probably when I, I started know. turning up. <laughs> yeah, maybe through Inuit or maybe through well, we'll talk about the writers' festival soon. So yeah, 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 maybe it was through that. I don't know. I again because I've lived in Ottawa since the eight, like mid eighties. Mm-hmm. I've I've. It's like I was almost like I was born here, and I know a lot of people. Or I, yeah. I've for, probably forgotten where people and I remember at this point. You know? yeah. So, see, yeah. I like remember when I moved back to Ottawa because I left yeah. and then I came back. So everything is like in relation to how long mm-hmm. I've been back in Ottawa. So, so you like you went, to, uh, you left Ottawa to go to Guelph for school. Or I or went no, to Montreal, Montreal first, right, right, and I was there for four years. Writing. Right. Then I went to Guelph, and then I did yeah. some traveling when I came back. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Too. Yeah. So yeah, okay. What about? Um, well, let's let's skip down to uh, the Writers Festival a bit. So sure. you've also been working for the writer, the Ottawa International Writers Festival. Notably, well, notably, there's a lot of things you've done for the Writers Festival, <laughs> but you've been one of the people one of the main who tweet out small summaries and quotes at events. How has working for the the festival contributed to writing and reading? And any any interesting stories you'd care to share? Oh. Probably not, but you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, I mean, the Writers Festival has been like, uh, like goes back before I even started working with them. I like, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but I started working with the the Writers Festival in high school. You did? Yeah. This is a scoop for me. I didn't know this. (laughs) Yeah, well, because you have to do your 40 volunteer hours. Yes, that's right. uh, Yeah, I mean, there's a million ways to get them, but 
going to a writing program and having I had a very encouraging uh, teacher at the time, named Mr. Fitz. I know this. Yeah. Other people know about him. He was really great, great professor or teacher. And he really encouraged, uh, he really encouraged the students, us the students to like get out of the school and go and like hear from writers and talk to writers. Yeah. And so I started volunteering with them and then I got my free pass to the Maybe festival. I saw you back then. I, I believe I did. Like, I feel like I definitely saw Rob McLennan back then. I saw a younger Pearl Perry back then. Pretty sure I read, like saw you read. It's like the days at the library archives where there'd be like ten yes, poets yes. at one time or something. And, like that. and we well, we started um, we started the John Nula Poetry Award in two thousand four, and we started the library okay. archives. So. Okay, I might have done four. I don't know if I would have been there the first year, but definitely the second or third. We we only started to go to the festival in two thousand three because I didn't know it existed. Mm, yeah. When when Bywards uh, started, and we had to put together a calendar. That's when I learned about a lot of things. I didn't even oh, know yeah. the Writers Festival at all. I've been going since nineteen ninety seven. So. Yeah, yeah. No, well, it's like yeah. So I, that's how I first. I mean, that's where I heard some of the first writers. That's where I really, you know, came to appreciate listening to re- writers read and yeah. talk about their work. Um, so it's been very important for me. I mean, I went on to again volunteer at the Blue Metropolis Festival afterwards. Oh, you I was did? in Montreal. Oh, that's cool. I've never been to Blue Metropolis because it's always at the same time as like, mm. our writers festival yes. in the spring. So. Yeah. Very, wanna, very different vibe. It's yeah, interesting. I want to go sometimes. And I'd like to get the French stuff too. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. That would be great. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah. Yeah, they've got a lot. They've got a lot. It's like a little less of a community because it's just so big and there's so many people from all over. But Anne Carson was there what last year? I think she got an award or last year the year oh, yeah. before and I was like uh, <laughs> so hard to miss that yeah 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 so um so that was really important and um yeah when I came back to Ottawa again measured all the time six years ago six and a half years ago um yeah I was trying to figure out what to as you do when you graduate from university you have no idea what to do with your life because you have an English and theater studies degree <laughs> I was like what do I do and I've been I've been organizing events since like I would help in high school to organize like the cafes we would have and in university I was I organized readings for the student council and chapbook workshops and stuff why, like that. Why do you think you were drawn to organizing organizing these sort of things or organizing I mean, it all actually? I like people. I'm like I think like <laughs> a lot of poets are introverts. I guess if you don't like people you might not like I mean you know there's nothing yeah. if you if you don't like people you might like to organize to straighten them out, right? To kind of get them in order. <laughs> That's possible. But I, I mean yeah, yeah. I like people. I really think, I think there's value in having events where writers come out and read and share their work. Um, I think it's valuable for people to enter into conversations about, um, about ideas, about writing. And I think I love, like I said, I like hearing work read aloud and there's not many avenues to do that. And you always need organizers. Yeah. And one thing I find is if, if I see that there's a lack, then mm-hmm. I have to. I, I mean, I I, also, yeah. I drag my heels a lot, but I'll, I'll I'll organize something if I if I see that there's no one doing it. And it feels like it's something that's needed, right? That's how mm-hmm. I end up. That's how I ended up doing all kinds of things. Yeah, related yeah. to organizing literary stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I just yeah I had I don't know I just sat down and was like, what do I like doing? What have I done? And one of the things I like doing was like hosting and running small events. And so when I came back to Ottawa, I was like. Do you guys need any help? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, any, yeah. Always, yeah, exactly. Always. So never run out of opportunities. For exactly. Them. Yeah. So I got a small internship, and then I got a job, and 
Yeah, I've been working with them for six, since I came back. Oh. I'm stepping back a little bit now just because it's, if it, I mean, they, if it wasn't for working with them, like I probably would not have actually been able to work, get a job in marketing, which is what I do now. Right. Um, Cause I was working in a hotel and working for the festival for about two years before I was able to like get a job. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't know how to, I definitely didn't graduate from university yeah. knowing how to get a job. No, I think there's some people who do, but maybe, that was not my experience. Maybe today that's more something, but I, I find, yeah, with, with arts degrees, at least, uh, mind you, we had a, we, I, when I went to translation school at Ottawa, I mean, I've always wanted to be a translator. Mm-hmm. So I had a career minded thing. It was only, I got interested in literature in sort of like in the middle of my, um, undergrad degree I wasn't really interested so much before mm-hmm. especially poetry but you know yeah I was going for a career that last, didn't last long so <laughs> <laughs> that career lasted yeah. only a couple of years but yeah that's that's interesting do you think are there specific things about um is there a way in which um you you like to organize like do you have any opinions about the way things should be organized or not should be but the things that are conducive to say poetry reading or things or you know, or whatever. That's not on the list of questions I've said, so, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think a good host is always, I think a good host is key to a good event. What's a good host? Um, Well, a good host is familiar with the work. Yeah. um, And is also, is both aware of the authors, or writers they're speaking with, or hosting, or introducing, um, as well as the audience. Yeah. And I think that's really key. I think a lot of, well, not a lot of, but some hosts are thinking so much about the writing and the work that they don't think about what is the audience experience. That's actually a really mm-hmm. good point. I mean, especially the Writers' Festival where you have Q&As and that's, yeah. that can be really tricky. Like when I've hosted with, I've only hosted twice with a Q&A and I was nervous about it. And the second time I hosted, there was no 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 questions from the audience, so I don't know. Yeah. But um, I like the idea. I like the idea of them being able to ask questions, but you have to kind of be able to. You need to be strong as a host to moderate that correctly, so that Absolutely. things don't go out of hand and people don't ask or don't at least get response. You know, it doesn't cause a big brouhaha. Uh, yeah, and yeah, the and that's and that's the challenge. I think yeah. there's been quite a few conversations, like online and in person, recently about like whether whether there should be Q and A's or how to manage Q and A's. It is definitely hard. Um, I think that they are valuable and important, but also um, a host also needs to be aware that they can shut it down if it goes. So, and I've seen Q and A's go places they shouldn't go. Oh, I know. Um, And it's unfortunately, if you're on the sidelines and I've been like, man, like at the festival and working when that happens, and like as someone on the sidelines, it's really hard to shut it down. And so there is some onerous yeah. uh, work on the moderator to have to take on that role. So that's something. But even if there's no Q and A, I think a host should also be aware. There's an awareness of the audience, right? Like yeah. knowing, like if the questions are too long, if the questions don't make sense. I've been to some like hosted panels where the they have great questions, but the questions for the audience don't resonate. Yeah, and so it, if the yeah. audience, like audience, can't connect. You're yeah. doing a disservice to the work that's and right. to the writer um, about that. And I, I mean, I don't think every host knows that, and not everybody's no. a great host. So no, it's the more really you, depends. I mean, I've been going to the festival for a long time. I've watched, I've seen different hosts. So, but I mean, I just, I, I, 
it's 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 a nerve wracking experience to be a host. There's a uh, we had uh, Joe Joseph Iani on the on the uh, uh, show of uh, mm. the Small Machine Talks um, some time ago, and he had a really interesting. He said something really interesting about how the um, the the um, the writer and the audience create or the performer on this person on the stage and the, and the person the people in the audience create a kind of a, another space mm-hmm. together. So yeah. Even the host can be Absolutely. thinking about the space that's created by the interaction of all those different mm-hmm. things. So, yeah, that's interesting. Now I feel like going to the Writers' Festival, well, there's no event happening. Yes, well, I'll I, be will... ho- I can't tell, but I will be hosting a really sweet event <gasps> coming up. That's a, that's a scoop, this month, a sweet so. event. Yeah, I'm stepping back from doing some social media stuff, and I'll be more like advising and hopefully what I would love to do. And hopefully get better at because now I talked about what I think makes a good host. There you go. Being now the host. you know now you're <laughs> like once you once you promised it on this show, then you you know that's it. You're I got to there. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, well, we'll we'll also put a link up to the Writers Festival site. They have events happening in September, and then they have the full festival will start. They probably have other events happening too, but mm-hmm. the festival starts like the 25th of October. The John New Love Poetry Award will happen at some point in that time as well. Yeah, so that's, that's coming up as well. Nice. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, well, this is kind of a a, um, a segue, and it doesn't. It's not a. It's an awkward segue. But what about? Uh, can you talk about a poet or poets whose work excited you in the past and why? Yeah. Well, um, I think in the last couple of years, the work I've been most excited about is. Uh, Aisha Sasha John's work. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, like her thou and the one that was nominated for the Griffin guys with all the color splotches. I'm doing my visual thing where I'm like, I remember that. Um, I have to live is what it's called. Um, those, I mean, especially that book has just like one of the most. Amazing. I haven't read it yet, so I'm gonna write it down. So oh, I, I, uh, I have to live. It's, it's a great title. It's very simple. Um, or, I mean, I, I mean that in the kindest way. No, like, the language is so simple, but so powerful. Like right. her, her command of language is is so neat. They're neat and powerful. Um, that I do find it's like a book that I have found myself going back to. That's an interesting um, combo: neat and powerful. Yeah, <laughs> you don't you think neat almost within the boundaries? It was powerful. You think mm-hmm. it's sort of. Yeah, and going beyond. Yeah, I, I feel like the lines are very like direct. It's I think it's because they're so direct. Like even that title, "I Have to Live." Like Ooh. how how direct is that? It's and an urgent it, title. It's very urgent, urgent but it's urgent also very concept. full of strength. It is. Um, it has and to, yeah, yeah. I I mean, she also really intrigues me as a performer. She has mm. like experience in dance. Yeah. And she's a very physical performer. Did she have a show that also had dance? Yeah, in? yeah. She did have a show with dance and it. Um, yeah, which I would love if you're listening. I should come to Ottawa. Well, she, she's <laughs> being be great to, <laughs> to perform to, for the, to the, the yeah that not the I, she's read in Ottawa twice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's yeah she's an amazing poet. And, and I think that's maybe even one of the really impactful works that I've read over the last couple of years. What was there? A, was there a poet or a, a piece of writing that um, early on kind of uh, interested you or resonated with you? Maybe, um, maybe a, a, someone who came to can't. Um, okay, I've forgotten Canterbury. Canterbury. <laughs> I'm like, can't we? No, that's not right. Okay. Can't know something else that I okay, Canterbury. Yeah. Well, I think to be honest, I really. Wow. I know that poems 
Okay, not someone who came to Canterbury, but like when I was a teenager or yeah. a young teenager, one of my favorite authors was this woman from the States called Francesca Leah Block. She wrote these novels, these really uh, super, I mean, they were like my favorite novels. I read those books so many times, but they're also infused with poetry. And she would, ha- she had different novels where she blended poetry with the story. Oh, neat. Yeah. Um, as whether it was like as song lyrics. Um, wow or as poems written by characters. And that was really one of the ways that I got into, and there are a couple of other writers who've done this, um, I can send you their names afterwards, who sort of told story through poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of, I think, always been kind of my draw, my first, that was my first draw of poetry. Now right. I write less storytelling poetry, but like the idea of storytelling through poems was always what appealed to me most. Um, and I, I remember that from the workshop. Yeah. <laughs> and I love reading novels. And yeah. so somehow I was always like, could I distill like storytelling into like the most intricate or intimate moments to tell yeah. a narrative? And so like a collection of moments. A right? collection, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, one thing that frustrates me about a lot of poetry is that it seems almost um, not done to, I mean, it has been done and, and very successful. But a lot of times you're not allowed to have characters in your, and I say not allowed because I know that's not the right word, but a lot of times it's not sort of the type of stuff that a lot of people seem to think of when they think of poetry, like mm-hmm. character. And I like writing characters. So yeah, it's really interesting. Like, I, I was actually, thought, so yeah, I, I was poetry. just reading this. Um, there's this American novelist that I really, um, I found his work like, back in 2009 called um, uh, Ball. Well, Sorry, Jonathan Ball is the poet. Yes. Yes, okay, Jesse Ball. Jesse Ball, okay. Sorry, it's another J. That's why I always get their names like that. Another J with a ball. Jesse Ball. God, I hope I'm saying the right name. Um, And he he wrote a couple of really, like, postmodern abstract novels that I have liked. So I've been following him ever since. Interesting. Um, But he he started out as a poet. Which I didn't know until a couple of years ago when I was sort of just browsing his like bibliography online and um, picked up this collection of his, which sort of sat on my bookshelf. And I, I, I browsed through it a little bit, but didn't actually get to it. And I just read it again. And like, what's so fascinating is it's so filled with characters. Mm, I see, and, like, I love that. It's clear that you're not writing from the perspective of the po- like, it's not him writing them. So. Yeah, that's it's not an autobiographical, or who knows, there yeah. might be little bits, but it's that's about not the, the boy, or it's about it. the woman, yeah. or it's about like yeah. somebody and some again. And you can, if you read it and then you've read all his novels, you're like, oh, I see where your novels come from. They're rooted in this sort yeah. of learning that you did. And this was like what he'd written when he was doing his master's, um, and then he published poetry. Um, so so yeah, I mean, anyways, it's interesting because I just read a book where that was like most of it. I think the last section is a little more autobiographical, but the majority of the book right. is all characters. Um, and it's also sort of like an older style of poetry. I don't know if you think of like nursery rhymes, like those, right. or like which are some of the first poems yeah, I all, encountered yeah, as same, a child. Same here, yeah. um, like they were never about the speaker. It was no. always about the characters. And um, all my first poems were also about. Did this writer characters. really visit the queen? Was he, in fact, a pussycat? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think maybe uh, not, not really. <laughs> little Jack Horner, is that you? Are you channeling your Jack inner Horner? angst about sitting in the corner when you were a child? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be cool QA, right? Just fake, like, nursery rhyme characters. <laughs> QA about, like, your, your, your mother, mother Hubbard. Were you, did you really, like, have a cover? 
Oh, man, yeah. Yeah, no, so, yeah, I mean, always, it's really interesting because I, I recently, um, it's okay, we, we, we have a disclaimer, we can't remember every name, so, you know, it's all right. Yeah, I know, but I just feel so dumb. Hmm. Susan, anyways, my old poetry professor from my undergrad, okay. uh, recently left Montreal and now moved out to the country with her partner, um, whose name I remember, but I'm not going to say it because it's been not so bad that I've forgotten her last name. Uh, <laughs> it'll come to you it's totally gonna come to me um but she recently returned um my first poetry portfolio oh, when she was my me? first undergrad instructor and it was like really interesting because I remember I wrote so much in like about characters or like distance myself I really made an effort to distance myself from the people in my writing and later on I would get comments I'd also remember another poetry instructor who I very much value who told me once like it seems like you're too distant from poetry like there wasn't enough of myself in it and I was like why does it have to be always the case yeah which I thought was an interesting feedback and looking back I'm like I can see so it's interesting to read these poems again because it's like I mean I was 18 so there's definitely like I was not as aware of the world then um but yeah, to see that sort of shift. And now I'm right a little more from the personal. I'm more comfortable with myself. So yeah. I'm not as afraid about, you know, saying who I am, which when I was 18, I was like, well, I don't want to talk about who I am or what's wrong with me or why I don't like things. Uh, <laughs> don't <see that. laughs> So I've definitely become more personal in my work, but I've also become more abstract in other ways as well. Like, I don't know if you've seen the we were talking before the interview started about the neuro suite which is a visual yeah, poetry well, I, I, and very I, yeah it's really cool not yeah. super it's from from press out yeah. in um places uh burlington burlington i i should i lived in i used to live in mississauga and i mix up burlington hamilton and those guys. Yeah. i shouldn't mix those up i lived next door to them for a long time mm-hmm. uh there's um dennis cooley had a uh, has a great poetry book one of my favorites uh the bentley's he's writing about the characters in Sinclair Ross's book "Ask for Me in My House." Is that oh, really? I'm not sure. Yeah. So he actually he writes a character. He's got another book. Is it called Red? Anyway, it's it's, it's a, it has to do with vampires and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I, I read those when I was first starting to get into sort of contemporary poetry, mm-hmm. and it helped me because I wasn't interested in writing about myself. Yeah, and I, I do write about myself lots of. And anyway, even if you're writing about other things you're still writing through yourself anyway so you yeah. can't you can't distance yourself completely. but i wasn't at the time interested in being so direct i've done lots of things that are direct and i see no problem with it at all i don't have a problem with it but just just there are times when we can't necessarily do it so yeah you can use strategies sometimes to write out of yourself but still keep that distance it's handy absolutely yeah i think it's it takes skill to mask to master that or to do it well and yeah yeah I mean I'm glad now but I'm not as afraid about writing about myself and I still like to try and keep a little bit of distance to some extent um but yeah no no I think it's all personal taste it depends what you're reading I like to read a lot of things that are somewhat personal but I love to read abstract things as well yeah I know there's 
Sorry, continue asking questions. No, I'm just going to start like musing and drift off. Sorry, <laughs> but so I think hard. we will see how much time we actually have. we have about in theory we have. Well, we'll see. It might cut off. So okay. just, just in case it does, we'll say thank you for being on the Small Machine Talks okay. and, uh, for a great conversation. And But we'll keep going just now and until, you know, the tape runs out. Well, it's not a tape. You know what I mean? So the the hard memory drive. and whatever the heck <laughs> the stuff is going on there. I was going to ask you too. Well, you know, I'd like to return actually to the sound culture because we didn't really discuss we started to discuss it, right? Yeah, because be good. A good conversation is when you have lots of tangents, in my mm-hmm. opinion. But uh, so, um, yeah. So okay. So you you were involved in um, a sound. You're doing sound poetry with, I guess, Quator uh, Guilor. Is that is that the right way to pronounce that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, what caused you to become a member of the group? What is the group, and what do you enjoy about the experience? Yeah. Well. Sorry. Okay. I'm gonna look at the question again. Well, Quator Guilor is. Right now we are four, and it is me, John W. Curry, Kanye Clayton, and Prince Johnson. Um, we went on a tour last year with um, Alistair uh, Larwell, Larwell, who has been previously working with John Curry yeah. on sample and stuff. That's right. Um, and yeah, we went to Toronto, and we went down to Windsor. We did some performances here in Ottawa at the Ottawa Writers Festival. Yeah. Um, and I guess a couple of years ago, I mean, I first. When I moved back to Ottawa shortly after I moved out, John John Curry did a performance at uh, Gallery 101. Right. Nice. Was, was it when Gallery 101 was at... Um, Still over here. Yeah, at, o- over just off of Preston. Just yeah. off Preston, yeah. yeah. So I went to see that performance and I was like, um, like, I mean, I had studied some work of John Cage and I'd done... Yeah. That was when he was doing that sort of... Jo- the John Cage piece was woven through it, um, which was one one experiment that he had worked on with the group and I was like shit this is like part of what I studied in school and this is really interesting Relevant, yeah. so yeah so um really enjoyed that performance um was really interested in what John was doing um and sort of knew him from around because he goes to Rob's thing sometimes yep. sometimes factory or other reading series um, and yeah we just became acquaintances over time and a couple of years later he told me he was looking to start things up again and I was like, I will perform if you are doing that. So, um, so yeah, so I jumped on board and then we rehearsed some stuff for a while. And then um, Chris Johnson came on board and then Alice, and then we did a performance at the Small Press Fair. That's yeah, that was fun. Gorilla performance. Yeah, that yeah. was fun. Yeah, kind of confused a few people, but it was a lot of <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And then um, Alistair came on board and wanted to start again. And then we were looking for a woman for quite some time. Interviewed a bunch of people, and finally Kanye. I was like, Kanye, I thought she'd be interested, so we invited her. Yeah, and she has been game ever since. Well, of course, and Kanye is uh, is involved with Nathaniela Rochette, who is a musician and, mm-hmm. does, and and a spoken word performer. So that's kind of a good, an interesting kind of thing because he's. He saw I mean, a lot of his work has to do with all kinds of interesting experimental yeah. music and stuff. So there's kind of a there's a little bit of a serendipitous sort of yeah. action. And I remember and it's on it's on the Small Machine Talks episode that they did together where she said she Googled what is it like prog 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 metal or something or something some kind of nerdy music thing and, and the, he was like the first thing that popped up that's how she met him so yeah which is just a fantastic story so, yeah I'm sorry not necessarily it's sort of fun. yeah no yeah. well I was like I mean yeah it was really hard to find another woman who was interested in doing yeah. I invited another woman who had a background in music performance and yeah. like doing that kind of like this kind of abstract performance right. as well but 
it was just not for her. So I was really glad when Kanye came on board. And then we were finally able, we were putting together a selection of our work um, by the Four Horsemen and Owen Sound. So that was our first performance. Um, and sort of just before that time slash during that time, I started writing my own work. So yes. now, um, now we're still working on some of the older stuff and working on some or well, some other people's work, but also incorporating pieces that we've written. So we did a performance at Tree last fall, right. which incorporated some of my work and some of John's work and, and some have, other work. That's so. interesting. You would, you would think to write new stuff, too. I think that, that's really interesting. Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, we talked about theater, and hmm. I've always been interested in writing performance, and I, you know, studied playwriting and yeah. how, to, how to write that, but... Um, yeah, writing for something that's supposed to be performed. And I, I love listening to poetry and I love yeah. making weird noises in which I like to <laughs> singing to myself. Um, just, you know, about things or making up songs as I go. So this is a really interesting way to bring that to life and experiment with it. Um, writing things from multiple voices is really yeah. interesting and seeing what, and like taking that work and seeing what other people are able to do with it. Because I get a sense in my head um, but then when I bring it to somebody else, it's like, okay, how do we, it's very collaborative. So it's like, yeah. how does this sound? How do you make this sound? There's one piece that Kanye and I have done. Uh, we did it at Sawdust and we also did a tree called Snayar. It was on this talking about strawberries blog, but, um, that one was written for sort of like our skill sets. So mm -hmm. like, since we've been working together, I was like, oh, Kanye can do this. And I'd really like to use that sound that she makes in a piece <laughs> so um, that was like part of the input to sort of put that together um <laughs> and I like abstract work and I've always found visual poetry very engaging just like yeah. I find art engaging to like look at and try and understand it so the neurosuite um which we talked about a little bit from Simulacrum which is the Simulacrum Press right now was sort of like this conceptual project that turned into a visual project and we've been very oh excuse me has been an interesting evolution. So there's one more piece to that. So we'll actually, hopefully Connie and I will have that ready for a Montreal show and I'll have some new works um, that I've written that people have not heard for the Montreal show That's as great. well. Well, now that, that, that this, this, you've got some visual poetry, you can add yourself if you want to the, the Angel House Press map of, uh, of women and gender non-conforming visual poets. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. like to. You don't have to put your exact location on there. We try to get as many uh, women and non-binary poets, uh, visual poets from all over the world. We're up to about 62 now. That's so, great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I there's will. some interesting holes in it based on people not necessarily having the right for it to, the, to express themselves mm -hmm. freely in some countries, which is interesting, or or the necessarily the technology or whatever. Right. There's other reasons why they're not there, but and I find that just as interesting, frankly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there you go. Another another Canadian. <laughs> Good. Canadian. <laughs> Uh, yeah, with, so can you talk a little bit of, more about, uh, I guess, Quator uh, Galore, I, I, I always called it Massage Galore, mm -hmm. because that's yeah. what they were performing, I guess, and yeah. they've, uh, John has um, had a lot of different people over the years, but this has been going on for a different time, with not the exact work that you're performing, but just the different different people have been, mm -hmm. he's been sort of um, basically showing people, lear like learning, see, I'm, not, I'm using the word, teaching people about this sort of sound poetry and mm -hmm. possibilities and stuff like that for a long time. Yeah. Or leading, I guess is the better word, leading. Yeah, well, I, think, I mean, John has quite the archive of yeah. work and yeah, yeah. has known, knew the Four Horsemen and new members of Owen Sound. So 
Um, he's a really interesting resource for that. I had only heard about it like a little, like sound yeah. poetry and performance poetry a little bit um, in when I was studying like Canadian literature. So um, at least you mentioned like, it a little bit. A little bit, something. yeah. And like because I went to theaters, like study theater, like I, I knew about John Cage and a lot of work he does and sort of right, yeah. um, performative. Um, and there's always been like a few performance and a pair of performance art, which should, yeah, some poetry really does verge on the idea of yeah, performance kind art. Of, there's crossovers all over the place, right? Yeah. And I mean, my friends have always been in like punk rock bands, so I'm yeah, always like, that's maybe that's also part of the scream thing. Yeah, like, yeah, I was really into like with yeah, yeah. screaming and stuff like that. That's it. Um, yeah, we mentioned Lydia Lunch before this mm-hmm. interview, whose work was really interesting to me when I was a teenager as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and just the way I don't know, just the way like playing with sound is. So interesting. Guadar Agol, I mean, I forget where that comes from. John has told me before, and he'll probably kill me because I can't remember. But um, I think it was just a new iteration that we were going through, that that we've been going through, that he was, I'm not even sure if it's, we are still Guadar Agol or if we're not doing the same stuff. Right yeah. now, we're just for random, not random, <laughs> for eccentric people who meet together and make sounds. Right, right. <laughs> But is, yeah. is there anything else you want to talk about? We've had a couple of other things we didn't talk about, but you can talk about that. I, I don't know when the tape is going to take, when the recorder will end, but uh, if you want to talk about anything else, you can. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I'm just going to take a look at your questions here. Um, traveling, cycling, my work. I don't know. We could talk about any, which one is most interesting to you, Amanda? I could talk about any of these questions. Oh, they're all interesting. Well, okay, we, we could finish up on cycling. Let's, let, you, you, you're, you're, you're someone who cycles. You are a cyclist. Yeah. So, um, I guess, um, uh, can you talk about, um, that in connection to literary stuff? Like, um, are there books that you've read that are, um, literary and cycling inclined? <laughs> That's an interesting problem. Literary and cycling inclined. Um, yeah, I mean, there, I mean, there's a couple, so, um, I guess I have, I have been riding a bike for a while. I love it. It's yeah. a great way to get around. Um, there and yeah, I, yeah. You mentioned when you sent me these questions, like there is a history of women cycling yeah, and this a, sort of liberation element. Um, but it's, it's something that's common in so many places that you don't need a motor for it. And I've traveled a lot, so I've cycled in a lot of different places, okay. and um, I love to do it. There's a couple, like, and a few years ago, um, Monty Reed actually asked me, well, two years ago now, invited me to read with Yvonne Blomer, who's written a book about her cycling adventures oh, okay. in Vietnam. Um, uh, which is a great, uh, which is a great little book. That was for first fest. No, oh, no, no, this was just real? she was just coming to town yeah, and I, was I, doing I reading. Thought, how did I miss that? Yeah, I, I mean, it was the tiniest reading ever. <laughs> oh, that was that at Octopus Books. Uh, at Perfect Books. Perfect Books. Okay, yeah, which no, I missed again. that completely. I'm sorry, I apologize. Yeah, no, but it was um, it was an interesting because it's like I do cycle everywhere, but it really made me consider like what does cycling mean to me? Yeah. Um, and I wrote this long poem that I self published in my chapter called yeah. Mackinac. Um, yeah, um, so I think <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, it's really a way of freedom. When I lived in Montreal, I didn't know a lot of people and I didn't have a lot to do. It was like you could go for a bike ride and you could read a book, you could be anywhere you wanted to be, and it didn't really matter. Um, so yeah, it's really freeing. Um, another great book for those who are interested in cycling and traveling and, and women. Um, is Kate Harris's Land Land of Lost Borders. Sure. I like the title. Land of Lost Borders, yeah. She goes on, uh, yeah, she won what, a, 
and Warsford, I believe, as well. Um, she talks about sort of her cycling adventures. Um, she went through China and sort of the East um, at a rather tumultuous time. So, very cool book. And there's been lots of lots of women who write about cycling. I'm probably going to continue to do so. I, I mean, I got a new bike to do this cycling trip I was just on, and um, that just changed also how I look at things and more cycling in the future, I yeah. hope. Do you... Um... Yeah, what was going to say about that? Ah, no, I don't remember. But I, I was going to mention that uh, Katrina Strang was here recently, and she read from her Reveries of a Solitary Biker. Although I haven't read the book, I, I did. Uh, I have a book. I didn't. I attended the reading she did at Octopus Books. Actually, she read with Daphne Marlin. Oh, okay, it pretty good. It was a cool. Great it was a cool reading. And it, so she's taken uh, Rousseau's rev, um, Reveries of a Solitary Walker, and kind of. Mm. Um, engage with that so it's, it's, yeah. a lot of times i find with cycling it's it's feminism and independence and with women anyway it's, it's about even the suffragettes were like cyclists as well and in the in the 1890s there was a cycling craze a bicycle mm. craze and yeah so it's, it's kind of neat um uh it's kind of neat to think about how long that sort of thing but and that it's still something that we associate with women and in independence to a certain mm -hmm. extent you know? yeah well and then earlier at the end of last week there's actually there's like a crazy cycling competition that happens in europe where you have to like travel it's like seven days and you have to complete all these crazy feats and there's no map but you have to get from one place to another um and the first woman to everyone just uh, just won that race she was biking 400 kilometers a day oh my year, which like i was doing about 100 kilometers a day so you're i'm like your recent holy thing. shit Absolutely. <laughs> i finished my cycling trip and then heard about this woman and was like wow wow well, that's <laughs> on like three hours sleep so it's yeah. like well, if anyone, um, anyone listening is, is has any any uh, good book suggestions for uh, cycling, poetry, fiction, non-fiction, it doesn't matter. Just send them up to us and we'll, we'll put a list of them. Yeah, I would love to read more cycling poems by women or like or walking yeah. poems walking. by women as well. Well, there's a lot of good books about uh, about uh, walking by women. Mm. Cole Svensson in the States, a wonderful writer, wrote uh, On Walking. She engages mm. with a lot yeah. of a lot of writers. So there's a lot of Canadian ones too. Invisible... Publishing has a whole list on their blog of books to do with walking. Oh, so nice. Robertson's uh, Seven Walks, Office of Soft Architecture, Seven Walks. I can't yeah. remember the full title. There's lots. It's great. Walking, cycling, all the things. I'm a walker. I forgot how to ride a bike when I was a kid. So it's <laughs> something you're not supposed to be able to do, but I have done it. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can definitely forget. I can forget everything. I will forget... <laughs> If I don't, well, 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 I won't forget the, to uh, to post the podcast though in the episode, and uh, I think we'll end it there. And, uh, sure. and uh, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you, Nina Jane. Small Machine Talks with Amanda Earl and Am Kozak. <laughs>